Hello and welcome to The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle Radio. Each week, the sharpest minds and freshest thinkers in finance take you beyond the numbers and hype, right to the heart of the big issues of the day. This week on the programme, we're welcoming back one of our regular guests and most perspicacious chroniclers of our times, Paul Donovan. Once again, UBS Global Wealth Management's chief economist is joining the programme to unpack a theme upon which he has been writing of late, in this case, the danger in round numbers. Paul's recent blog on the theme set out why rounding up prices can have a more far-reaching impact than merely troubling people's pocketbooks. It's a pleasure to welcome Paul back to the show. Paul Donovan, always uh, terrific to well to, to to read and hear what you've been musing upon, and I think this piece is really interesting about the danger of in round numbers. And actually, you kicked off the blog with a really interesting story about the introduction of the the euro. Set the scene for us. It's a a, a coffee shop somewhere, maybe in Rome, um, and tell us why this uh, why this sets up the topic. Well, this is one of the problems with inflation for certain products, particularly perhaps smaller products that we buy quite frequently. So what happened with the introduction of euro notes and coins in Italy was significant increases in the price of an espresso coffee. Because previously, espresso, for example, in Milan had typically cost around a thousand lira, and there was a thousand lira coin that you could use to pay. And then after the introduction of euro notes and coins, it cost one euro because there was obviously a a single one euro coin that you could use to pay. But the problem with that was that that represented an almost 100% increase in the price of espresso because there was a massive rounding up. One euro was significantly larger sum of money than a a thousand lira. A thousand lira was about 52, 53 cents. So what happened was because there was a desire, an understandable desire on the part of cafe owners to keep it nice and simple, to have just one coin that you hand over, you don't have to be scrambling around for change. Espresso is supposed to be sort of a quick purchase. Literally, you're supposed to stand up while you're drinking it. They just rounded up to the next coin, but that then led to this very high price increase. And then, of course, a perception that inflation was was rampant in Italy because if espressos are going up almost 100%, everything is going up a huge amount. Uh, And so it's one of these things where rounding up to the next convenient number or convenient coin can actually be quite problematic from time to time. Well, yeah, Paul, it's interesting because obviously we're in an increasingly cashless society. And I guess if you're looking at you know the, the primacy of digital payments, we know that those kinds of processes have been accelerated hugely by the pandemic and so forth. There's even less reason, isn't there? Because that kind of convenience logic, the single coin, is in itself less obvious. And yet, this rounding up continues to happen. And particularly, there's some quite arresting examples, aren't there, of how how much people will round up if an underlying price increases of a certain percentage point. Why does that happen if the the convenience argument no longer holds? Well, I think we, we tend to be talking about smaller purchases. So there may still be more cash used in those transactions. You know, for the larger purchases, you know, for the weekly shop, things like that, we, we may well often go online to do that nowadays. But for example, in the US, vending machine inflation is over 13% at a time when headline inflation is, is just 3.4. But you know, at least as of a couple of years ago, about half the vending machines in the United States were still taking cash rather than card payments. And so with that, 
Again, the ease is to, you know, rather than having to stock your vending machine full of small change, is to just say, well, we'll round up to the next dollar bill. So I think that there's, there's the, the element of what we're buying is more likely to be cash-based overall. But I mean, we are seeing more and more digital purchases coming through. We are seeing people just sort of wave their plastic around and, and you know, assume that that's going to cover everything. And perhaps living in the UK, I, I get a dis- sort of distorted view of this because it's very, very prevalent in the UK. But I think that the the rationale is it's sort of a legacy of, of what has happened in the past and that consumers perhaps expect when they go to a vending machine or they, they buy something like an espresso, they expect to be charged uh, a round number as the price. And they perhaps look a little bit askance if, if, if it's not to the, the nearest euro or pound or dollar. Well, yeah, and Paul, we spent a lot of 2023, of course, talking about inflation. Just remind us then how important perceptions of inflation are, because actually, if we get away from the sort of baskets of goods and this kind of thing, and look at what consumers are feeling, or or, or what they're believing, I suppose, because as you said, this you can track examples of this back to sort of the introduction of the euro and so forth. Is it a different kind of risk, a risk all the same? So it is a risk because, I mean, it can create discontent amongst consumers, which obviously has political implications as as well as economic implications. They can feel very resentful about price increases. And we tend to focus on the price increases of things that we buy frequently. So this is a bit of an issue at the moment. I said earlier, we've got 13% inflation in US vending machines, but television prices, consumer electronics prices are collapsing. They're, They're falling in price. But we don't buy consumer electronics every day. We might buy a Snickers bar every day. And so you're remembering the rounding up of the Snickers price in the vending machine. And you're forgetting the fact that six months ago, you bought a television which was, I don't know, $50 cheaper than it had been a year earlier. And so that's part of the problem around the perception. And it creates discontent and quite often resentment that has economic and political implications, as I suggested. And it might affect consumers' spending behaviour. You know, if they feel that prices are going up everywhere, they might feel that they, oh, well, you know, perhaps we'd better not take the holiday, perhaps we'd better save some money. Now, to be fair, that hasn't been so much in evidence this time. People have still continued to spend. But it is something to bear in mind that if people really feel things are worse than they actually are, it might change their behaviour. And Paul, at the risk of asking you questions, which would be better put perhaps to a, I don't know, almost a a psychologist rather than an economist, I do find this sort of idea of round number bias interesting. And there's lots of other examples. I remember... I don't know, when I was at school sort of learning about economics, there were these examples of sort of what you could infer from people always, you know, filling up their cars and making sure that the, the petrol pump was at a, at a round number and you could read in about caution or, or people's views of the market. There are all kinds of things like this, whether it's the tips people leave in a, in a restaurant or, I don't know, there's some interesting data around the likelihood people will have of appealing against a test score if it's just below instead of just above any, any round number. It, again, it's a really interesting sort of psychological territory, but it's part of the processes, I guess, that you and your colleagues do nevertheless have to take into account when you're thinking about these things. Absolutely. This is the sort of thing that we, you know, we have to think about, that you know, in in very traditional and frankly now somewhat old-fashioned economic theory, you know, consumers are rational individuals and and will happily pay you know one dollar and seventy three cents for an item. 
But the reality is they're not necessarily as rational as we might think. I think to, to some extent where prices become less visible, then you know, rounding up becomes less important. So if I think about going to a supermarket and shopping, people tend to think a lot less nowadays in terms of the price of the individual product and more in terms of what does the total basket come to when I get to the checkout, normally a self-service checkout these days, of course, what does the overall price come to? So as individual prices become less visible, then that may contribute to a decline in the necessity of, of rounding up. But you know, people like symmetry. We've all got a touch of Hercule Poirot about us. We we like order and method and everything symmetrically arranged on the mantelpiece. And you know, that's evident in some of our economic behaviour too. Well, yeah, just finally, and I wondered on a sort of, if you take an even a, a higher level view, because I, I found a couple of articles that were talking about when when financial analysts are making forecasts and they might do things like round up their predictions of, I don't know, say earnings per share, and they'll tend to do it at, you know, well, in the US, nickel intervals and stuff like that. Is, is it a risk that actually we all do this, regardless of the calculation we're trying to make, and then it can lead to inaccuracy or it can lead to, I don't know, almost introducing negative kind of correlations or observations, or is that a step too far? Well, I think it's an interesting question about forecasting and, and using round numbers in forecasts and so on. Because on, on the one hand, as you say, you might you know, end up creating a, a false impression. But at the same time, you know, forecasting is not precise. And if you're saying, you know, GDP next year is going to be exactly, you know, 3.25%, well, you know, goodness knows what it's going to be. Is it going to be above trend, below trend? We can probably say that. Is it going to be 325 you can't be that precise. So I think that there can be a danger in being too precise in, in certain things. And certainly when it comes to economic forecasting, my belief is that we should always ignore everything that appears after the decimal point, because that's creating an illusion of precision, which frankly, in the economics profession just doesn't exist. Paul Donovan bringing us to the end of this edition of The Bulletin with UBS, setting the agenda in the fast-moving world of finance each week here on Monocle Radio. You can listen again and explore more at monocle.com. You can also follow the programme wherever you get your podcasts. Remember to discover more and find out how UBS can help you at ubs.com. This is The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle Radio. I'm Tom Edwards. Thanks for listening. Listener.